the peruvian earthquake of eighteen sixty eight a selection from an article in harper's monthly april eighteen sixty nine titled the great south american earthquakes of eighteen sixty eight by ephraim george squire this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. The twelve months embraced between the 1st of October, 1867, and the 1st of October, 1868, were distinguished by a series of physical phenomena more remarkable than is known to have occurred during any equal period of time in history. The series was grandly initiated and typified by the startling atmospheric and terrestrial convulsions that afflicted the windward islands in the autumn of the first-named year and which were fast followed by fearful hurricanes earthquakes and volcanic eruptions in almost every quarter and country of the globe culminating with the great south american earthquakes of the thirteenth and sixteenth of august eighteen sixty eight these earthquakes for their extent violence and widespread devastation will probably be regarded as the most terrible on record they were felt more or less severely over an extent from north to south of more than sixty degrees of latitude all the way from the isthmus to the cape yet their lateral action seems to have been checked on the east certainly by the chain of the cordillera and effectually stopped by the andes what tremendous force they exerted beneath the vast waste of waters extending from peru to cathay we can only infer from those tidal waves which broke equally on the shores of the pacific islands and on those of distant new zealand japan and california the peruvian earthquake was felt from the equator to latitude 43 degrees in Chile, over a coastline of upward of 3,000 miles. It was also felt inland, although but lightly beyond the cordillera of the coast, past the great despoblado, or uninhabited region at Puno, on the shores of Lake Titicaca, in Cusco, the old Inca capital, and at La Paz, the capital of Bolivia in fact over an area of not far from four hundred and fifty thousand square miles its effects or those of concurrent phenomena in the pacific seem to have been limited only by the shores of that vast ocean since nearly synchronous tidal disturbances were felt on the shores of australia of china and japan at the sandwich islands and on the coasts of california and alaska its devastating force however was chiefly expended in peru and here its most conspicuous incidents were to the south of lima and consisted in the destruction of the city of arequipa and the port of arica moquegua and a few other interior towns including the great mining town of cerro de pasco suffered heavily and directly by the earthquake but arica iquique chala and the other seaports were exposed to double disaster for all along the coast 
the implacable sea completed the destruction the earthquake had begun the greatest loss of life and property at any one place in peru was at arequipa the second city in size population wealth social and political importance in the republic in short the rival of lima and often politically its master it stands in latitude twelve degrees two minutes south and longitude seventy seven degrees eight minutes west at the foot of the great symmetrical volcanic cone of nisti twenty thousand three hundred feet high on a beautiful plain one of the interior oases that occur at the foot of the cordillera which i have already described this plain elevated seven thousand eight hundred and fifty feet above the sea is watered by the river chile and between it and the sea at isle which is the port of arequipa intervenes an unbroken desert relieved only by medanos or crescent-shaped shifting sand hills and the skeletons of men mules and horses that have perished in the transit before the conquest the incas had made an establishment here for facilitating communication between their capital and the coast and called it arequipay yes rest here from which with slight variation comes the name of the modern city founded by the great pizarro himself in fifteen forty a late census showed it to contain about fifty thousand inhabitants and as through it most of the trade with those vast interior departments of peru cusco and puno was carried on it had become together with its local resources rich and luxurious probably no town in south america was so well built its houses if not altogether imposing were massive and strong constructed of a light but tough volcanic stone vaulted and seldom of more than one story this style of architecture was adopted in eighteen twenty one after the great earthquake of that year which had laid most of the city in ruins as a security against a similar catastrophe and the new buildings successfully resisted all subsequent convulsions many of them formidable until the thirteenth of august when they were thrown down despite their strength like the card houses that children build its cathedral a modern building of a rather extraordinary architectural style was nevertheless a vast and imposing edifice and believed by most of the self-complacent arequipans to be among the finest structures in the world it had a bell cast in arequipa itself and one of its lions of greater size than that of st paul's in london apart from these more obvious distinctions the indices of wealth activity and enterprise arequipa contended that it was the most intelligent and vivacious and in science and art the most advanced city in peru it even ventured on the bold assumption that its women were more beautiful than those of lima as impartial writers we must admit that this self-sufficiency was not wholly unfounded most of the distinguished names in modern peruvian history whether in government art literature commerce or war belong to arequipa albeit it is constantly involved in intrigue and revolution 
which led to its bombardment by president prado for three days in december eighteen sixty seven with a destruction supplemented by that of the earthquake that took place nine months later the bombardment however was unsuccessful and its failure cost prado his place at the head of the government notwithstanding its position so much further inland arequipa seems to have been from its foundation nearly as frequently exposed to earthquakes as lima itself among the most celebrated are those of january second fifteen eighty two february eighteenth sixteen hundred november twenty third sixteen o four december ninth sixteen o nine sixteen thirteen may twentieth sixteen sixty six april twenty third sixteen sixty eight october twenty first sixteen eighty seven august twenty second seventeen fifteen may thirteenth seventeen eighty four eighteen twelve july tenth eighteen twenty one june third eighteen twenty five and october ninth eighteen thirty one of these that of fifteen eighty two from all accounts seems to have been the severest and it is said was so fearful in the interior that the Wanacos and vicuñas of the mountains fled to the city and sought refuge in the habitations of men tame with fright the story of the final destruction of this somewhat haughty city is perhaps best told in the following concise letter from that place dated august sixteen three days after the event this city was completely destroyed by an earthquake on the thirteenth instant not a church left standing not a house habitable the shock commenced at twenty minutes past five p m and lasted from six to seven minutes the houses being solidly built and of one story resisted for about one minute which gave time for the people to rush into the middle of the streets so the mortality though considerable is not so great as might have been expected if the earthquake had taken place at night few indeed would have been left to tell the story as it is the prisoners in the carcel public prison and the sick in the hospital have perished the earthquake commenced with an undulating movement and as the shock culminated no one could keep his feet the houses rocked as a ship in the trough of the sea and came crumbling down the shrieks of the women the crash of falling masonry the upheaving of the earth and the clouds of blinding dust made up a scene that cannot be described we had nineteen minor shocks the same night nothing has as yet been done towards disinterring the dead i do not think any are buried alive as certain death must have been the fate of all those who were not able to get into the street the earth has opened in all the plains around and water has appeared in various places another account from an eyewitness dated august sixteen describes the event as follows at about four minutes past five p m last thursday the thirteenth a slight movement of the earth was noticeable here by persons who chanced to be seated there was no rumbling in about eight to ten seconds more the movement became strong enough for persons not seated to notice this movement gradually increased in strength until 
after about thirty seconds pieces of timber began to fall from the houses in about a minute all were satisfied that a great earthquake was at hand then began a terrible rumbling similar to the noise of an avalanche everyone ran to the open spaces it seemed as if the earth was about to open the earth shook and every structure swayed to and fro from north to south it seemed in my own house as if the walls were about to meet and smother us in about three minutes the soil shook so that it was almost impossible to hold one's feet the strongest buildings began then to cast off stones bricks pieces of wood etc and the weakest began to fall almost all of them level with the ground in about five minutes from the first movement the whole city was enveloped in clouds of dust and darkness and resounded with the crash of falling buildings there is not one house left standing in arequipa the only church tower left is that of santa catalina but it like the cathedral will have to be pulled down santo domingo church is down to the ground the portal de flores is all down as well as all the surrounding blocks nearly all the inmates of the prison and hospitals perished many persons are known to have been crushed to death in the streets we are now living in a tent on the river bank no one dares go to town as the shocks still continue to bring down what little is left standing they occur at intervals of half an hour each this evening some of the shocks have been very violent so far there have been about seventy-six shocks up to eight p m the river pancarpata has changed to three colors which makes us believe that the volcanoes are at work everything is confusion and the cries and lamentations that we hear are heart-rending thus the work of the arequipeños for three hundred years has been destroyed in a few minutes it will take an age to do the same work over the debris of the jesuits church was hurled to a distance of one hundred yards the picture presented by our desolate city is sad indeed god grant that our fears be not realized for mount misty is vomiting lava clouds of smoke and quantities of mud and darkness hides its sides from our view we hear the constant noise of falling rocks and earth and the river is impassable owing to its black color and sulphurous odor as already said arequipa stood at the foot of the great volcano misti which had not been in eruption during the historical period but which now burst into activity in which it still remains at the time of the eruption those who were outside the city saw huge pieces of rock split off from it and together with heavy avalanches of snow and ice tumbled down to the bottom making a fearful noise the river that is fed by the snows of the mountain increased at least one-third inside of six hours indeed the rise in the water was so great and rapid as to inundate several of the towns in the valley of arequipa sweeping away the ruins the earthquake had made together with the dead and the wounded as to the loss of life and property the prefect of arequipa writing under the deepest impression of horror and in profound affliction reported officially 
all the edifices have been thrown to the ground and the few walls that remain are so racked that they will require to be demolished another report states the number of buildings absolutely ruined at between four and five thousand besides twenty-two churches including the cathedral the prisoners in the jails and the patients in the hospitals unable to avail themselves of the warning which enabled the people generally to save their lives were all crushed thanks to the premonitory shocks the strength of the edifices and their comparatively small height which prevented them from covering the streets when their walls fell outward the number of victims outside the hospitals and jails does not appear to have exceeded three hundred with from one thousand to twelve hundred severely injured still until the ruins are cleared it will be impossible to ascertain the number of the dead about ninety miles to the southeast of arequipa in another fertile oasis situated sixty miles back from the sea in the center of a considerable wine-producing district is the large town of moquegua from which the southern department of peru takes its name immediately behind it forming part of the chain of the cordillera are three great volcanoes that of umate called by the indians huayna putina ubinas and tutupaca the first named broke out in a fearful eruption in sixteen hundred the latter seems to have done so simultaneously with the occurrence of the earthquake under notice and throughout peru is believed to have been its centre of action at any rate the convulsion was as severe in moquegua as in arequipa and from all reports attended with as heavy loss of life the following account of the catastrophe here is from a letter of a resident dated august thirtieth the movement of the shocks was from east to west alternating with vertical vibrations i noticed this especially and the earth seemed as if about to open under my feet and leave me in the air the shocks lasted from five to six minutes when the buildings had tumbled we were almost choked with dust but a western breeze soon dispelled the clouds the earth did not cease shaking until sunday the twenty second of august the shocks were more or less violent but were always preceded by heavy discharges of electricity louder than the heaviest cannonading in about five minutes every structure in the valley was in literally complete dilapidation not a stone left on another in the limestone lands all the hills were split and the rocks were rent into small pieces along the river and in the lowlands of the vineyards large openings were made whence issued streams of blackish and pestiferous water i assure you that i have seen as vivid a picture of judgment day as is possible in this world the damage done to our crops will amount to about twenty five per cent the inhabitants of this city and valley are encamped in the parks and fields some are in groups with their friends others in tents or huts and some in the open air ninety miles from moquegua still to the southwest is the city of tacna capital of the department and one of the most important and active towns in peru i have described this town which i visited in eighteen sixty four in this magazine for april eighteen sixty eight and hence only need to say here 
in explanation of the fact of its suffering very little in the great earthquake that it is a modern town built chiefly of wooden houses of one story which may be racked but which could hardly be thrown down by any convulsion of the earth nevertheless forty buildings were destroyed probably some of the few built of stone or adobes and a few lives were lost while however tacna escaped thus lightly arica its port forty miles to the southwest was absolutely destroyed by the earthquake and its attendant phenomena our accounts of the catastrophe at this point are much more full and accurate than from any other and probably the event will be best remembered from its devastations here although next to callao the most important port of peru it was not that rich and populous place that many accounts of the earthquake have represented instead of having as some of these state a population of from thirty to forty thousand souls it probably had less than six thousand and although rather picturesque and showy from the water was meanly built the mole custom house the warehouses and some of the residences and offices of foreigners were large and substantial modern structures but the remaining buildings were either of adobes or canes plastered over yet well adapted to resist earthquakes the great shock of the earthquake of august thirteen took place here a few minutes earlier than it did in arequipa showing that arica was nearer the center of action than the latter town as there it was also preceded by premonitory shocks which had the effect of alarming the inhabitants and driving them into the streets or open squares and to the sand hills back of the town where they were in comparative safety an eyewitness says the hour was that when by custom most of the inhabitants had just closed their daily labors and were at their homes the instant the startling indications of an earthquake were felt there was a general rush for uncovered spaces which were reached by many uninjured but not by all the streets became a scene of terror all the houses in the city trembled as if affected with the ague then they surged and some of them fell to pieces with crash after crash at this juncture when the undulations were most active the earth opened in several places in long and almost regular lines the fissures were from one to three inches in width the sensation was as though something was rolling underneath from every fissure there rushed forth dry earth like dust which was followed by a stifling gas owing to the demolition of buildings and the general destruction of all kinds of property and the dust that was raised as well as that set in motion by the general tumult a dense cloud formed over the city and obscured the light beneath the cloud the gas severely oppressed every living creature and would have suffocated all if it had lingered longer than it did which was only about ninety seconds the undulations were three in number each succeeding one was of greater magnitude than the previous one when the undulations ceased the cloud of dust ascended and dispersed and light was restored then shocks at short intervals succeeded as though subterranean explosions 
or collisions were taking place. At this time, people from all parts of the city fled to the hills amidst falling bricks and timbers, which fell from swaying walls and broadly rent buildings just on the eve of crumbling into perfect ruin. Some were struck dead by the falling materials and others were maimed, while all were made to stagger from side to side like people in a state of intoxication. Many of both sexes carried children in their arms, and those who had not these conveyed articles of value. The avarice of many was stronger than fear even amidst this terrible confusion, and hence there were those who dallied to collect valuables, many of whom suffered for their temerity, either by the sacrifice of their lives or otherwise. As the rush for the hills continued, and stones and materials of all kinds were falling, and houses and parts of them were crashing, numerous people were struck down, and either killed or dangerously hurt. Another eyewitness, a Peruvian, writing the following day, relates, The main shock lasted from seven to ten minutes. Beasts and birds were wild with affright, and as buildings rocked and fell with deafening crashes, the earth rose and sank like the waves of the troubled sea. The people who could not keep their feet uttered frightful shrieks at the continued commotion, which went on increasing and seemed to announce the end of the world. The very mountains seemed to rise and totter and fall. The whole surface of the level land moved and broke like a disturbed pool of water, and it was impossible to stand except as one ran with headlong violence. I have never witnessed anything so appalling and terrible, and I have to stop writing now in consequence of the renewed shaking. At this time, there lay in the harbor of Arica the United States double-ender 12-gun warship Watery, the United States storeship Fredonia, towed down in July to escape the yellow fever prevailing in Callao, the Peruvian ironclad America of 14 guns, the English brig Chanarcillo, the Chilean schooners Rosa Rivera and Regalón, the British ship Kamahamamaha. These data are important, for almost simultaneously with the earthquake on land occurred such disturbances of the sea as never before had a parallel on the coast after the Callao catastrophe of 1746. An officer of the Watery describes the scene on shore and what happened on the sea in these graphic words. On the afternoon of August 13, as we were finishing our dinner on board the Watery, at about 20 minutes past 5 o'clock, immense clouds of dust were seen at a distance of some 10 miles south of Arica. This, of course, attracted attention as a matter of unusual occurrence. The volume of clouded dust came nearer and nearer, and it was observed from the deck of the vessel that the peaks of mountains in the chain of the Cordilleras began to wave to and fro like reeds in a storm. There could have been no optical delusion about it, for the sea was calm and the vessel was perfectly quiet. A few minutes after, it was observed that from mountains nearer to Arica, 
whole piles of rock rent themselves loose and large mounds of earth and stone rolled down the sides very soon it was noticed that the whole earth was shaking and that an earthquake was in progress by comparing distances of ports reached by the earthquake successively and computing the time by exact measurement it was ascertained that the volcanic element under the surface of the globe at that particular spot traveled at the rate of between six hundred and seven hundred miles an hour when the convulsion reached the moro a rocky precipice lining one side of the harbor it also began to move pieces of from ten to twenty-five tons in weight began to move from their base and fall altering the whole front view of that part of the coast at the same moment the town commenced to crumble into ruins the noise the rumbling like the echoes of thunder the explosive sounds like that of firing a heavy battery were terrific and deafening and the whole soil of the country as far as it could be seen was moving first like a wave and in the direction from south to north then it trembled and at last it shook heavily throwing into a heap of ruins two-thirds of all the houses of arica men women and children ran into any open space near at hand and their shrieks and screams could be heard distinctly on board the shipping even the custom house built of iron stone and adobe received a wide crack at the first shock shock after shock followed on several places openings were becoming visible in the ground and sulphurous vapor issued from them at this juncture a crowd of people flocked to the mole seeking boats to take refuge on the vessels in the harbor as yet the shipping in the harbor felt not the least commotion from the disturbances on land after the first shock there was a rest no breeze could be felt no ripple was seen on the waters the watery and the fredonia sent their surgeons ashore to assist the wounded between fifty and sixty of the people of the town had reached the mole by this time to take to the boats but the surgeons had hardly landed and but few of the others had entered the boats when the sea quietly receded from the shore leaving the boats high and dry on the beach the water had not receded further than the distance of extremely low tide when all at once on the whole levee of the harbor it commenced to rise it appeared at first as if the ground of the shore was sinking but the mole being carried away the people on the mole were seen floating the little pagoda used as an office for the captain of the port was also floating and the water still rose until it reached a height of thirty-four feet above the high-water mark and overflowed the town and rushed through the streets and threw down by the force of its weight what the earthquake had left and all this rise and overflow of the waters took only about five minutes the water rushed back into the ocean more suddenly than it had advanced upon the land and carried with it the custom house and the residence of the english consul this awful spectacle of destruction by the receding flood had hardly been realized when the sea rose again 
and now the vessels in port began dragging. The water rose to the same height as before, and on rushing back it brought not only the debris of the ruined city with it, but even a locomotive and tender and a train of four cars were seen carried away by the fearful force of the waves. During this advance of the sea inland, another terrific shock, lasting about eight minutes, was felt. The thunders of the earth and the storm of the waves surpassing all conception of human endurance. At this time, all around the city, the dust formed into clouds and obscuring the sky made things on land quite invisible. It was then that the thundering approach of a heavy sea wave was noticed, and a minute afterwards, a sea wall of perpendicular height to the extent of from 42 to 45 feet, capped with a fringe of bright glistening foam, swept over the land, stranding far inshore the United States steamer watery, the America, a Peruvian frigate, and the Chanarcillo, an English merchant vessel. The commander of the Peruvian ironclad America, after describing the fate of that vessel, says, The American man-of-war, Watery, is about a mile further up the beach than we are. Of the Fredonia, not a plank is left. The English vessel, Chanarcillo, and the Chilean ones, Rosa Rivera and Regalón, are lost. Not a single boat is left in this bay, and scarcely a single person of those that were aboard the lost vessels is known to have been saved. In these our moments of supreme distress, we find our salvation in the officers and crew of the United States man-of-war, Watery. Their whole cargo is safe and sound, and they have therefore clothed and fed us and offered every comfort that we need. It is my pleasant duty to make this fact known to Your Excellency, as well as the noble conduct of Drs. Winslow and Du Bois, the former of the Watery and the latter of the Fredonia. Both have, with the utmost zeal, attended to our wounds. In the midst of such distress, I had the satisfaction of witnessing the rare gallantry of my men. The sailors were unwilling to leave the ship, although ordered to do so, until they were allowed to carry us off on their shoulders, as we could scarcely walk from wounds. The watery, to which complimentary reference is here made, was a compact and trustworthy vessel. Her commander, impelled by motives of humanity, went on shore immediately after the shock that had prostrated the town, in the hope of rescuing some of the officers of the Fredonia and their wives who were there. The officer left in charge of the vessel seems to have been equal to the emergency that followed. The guns were lashed, lifelines were rigged, and her most powerful anchors thrown out. Eleven tidal waves struck her, and she was several times swept up and down the coast by irregular currents before she was thrown on shore, with the loss of but a single man and standing as erect in her sandy bed as she did in the docks where she was built. The single person connected with the watery who was lost was a man named Tate, boatswain of the captain's gig. With the submergence of the mole where he was waiting the orders of his superior officer, he was carried out to sea by the recession of the wave, 
and as rapidly driven back on the shore recognizing at once his doom and the futility of any effort to avert it he seized his country's ensign and with it waved a last adieu to his comrades on the watery surging unmanageably under the terrible sea bore captain j h gillis of the watery addressed to admiral turner then commander of the united states squadron in the south pacific a report in which he says the watery lies about three miles to the northwest of the city and about four hundred and fifty yards inland although her hull has suffered much still she appears to be in perfect condition not a plank has been started and she stands upright as though in a dry dock considering her position and its slight elevation above the sea we do not think it possible to float her again it would be impossible to dig under her as the means are not at hand and it would cost more than what the vessel is worth my crew remain aboard by day but as the rumbling of earthquakes still continues and the peruvian sloop of war america is ashore below us in a direct line with broadside on us i have deemed it advisable to remove them another seaboard would smash both vessels i lent what aid in the way of provisions that i could to the inhabitants of arica but have been forced to suspend it as i have scarcely what will suffice for my men i shall remain by my vessel until further instructions from you we have lost all our anchors and if we have another rush of the sea that will turn the ship on beam ends she will become a worthless hulk the fredonia united states storeship of eight hundred tons and six guns with a crew of thirty persons seems to have become unmanageable from the first and was dashed to pieces on the black and sinister reefs that lie in front of the rocky headland called el moro de arica all on board were lost the captain and four others who were on shore were saved as was the surgeon of the watery whose wife however was killed in his arms by falling timbers as he was carrying her to a place of safety the number killed in arica was estimated at about four hundred mostly by the great wave that swept over the town the larger part of these were plunderers who thronged to the ruins after the first shock was passed or avaricious persons returning to look after their valuables and it is worthy of note that in every place in peru and ecuador the earthquake instead of overawing criminals pilferers and thieves seems to have given them new audacity and activity the crash and ruin excited open and developed latent crime and rapine and murder held high carnival among the wrecks of cities and over the mangled bodies of the dead the viceroy of peru had good reason to rear his gibbets in lima and callao in seventeen forty six yet it is a strange reflection that the symbol of man's vengeance should have a restraining effect on human conduct beyond the most impressive manifestations of divine power the loss of property in arica is described as amounting to several millions of dollars as it was not only the seaport of tacna but in fact of a large part of bolivia the amount of foreign merchandise stored there including quantities of alpaca wool ores and chinchona bark 
coming down from the interior was very large all this was lost the proprietor of the largest warehouse connected with which was a distillery returning to the place after the catastrophe was unable to point out the site of his establishment the destruction was so complete the desert hills around arica are stuffed with desiccated bodies of the ancient aymaras who seem to have had here an important fishing station to these hills the terrified inhabitants of the town fled on the first warnings of danger there to be met with the appalling spectacle of the grave literally giving up its dead the convulsed and writhing earth threw to the surface hundreds of the grim dried bodies of the indians who had lived here centuries before still wrapped in the coarse cerements that the dry and nitrous soil had preserved from decay End of the Peruvian Earthquake of 1868, a selection from an article in Harper's Monthly, April 1869, titled The Great South American Earthquakes of 1868, by Ephraim George Squire. Read for LibriVox by Sue Anderson.